I am your host, Raquel Ark, an American podcasting from Germany, and this is Listen In. Join this series of conversations with inspiring scientists, leaders, and authors about listening as a surprising superpower that is not always as easy as it seems. Believe me, I know, and I've been learning and will continue to learn, and I hope that this podcast will help you find practical ways to help others listen better while you become better at leading people, catalyzing collaboration, transforming conflict, building trust and engagement. And I'll tell you, when really good listening happens, then the entire group, including you, can feel energized and inspired. So sit back and enjoy listening beyond what we typically think of. If you are someone who wants to influence social impact in a big way, then this episode is for you. Dr. Ramona Houston, a scholar, educator, and community engagement strategist, shares how the only way to bring about significant social impact is to listen. And having impact goes way beyond money. It is also about building relationships and making a difference through influencing in surprising ways. She promotes the importance of diverse groups working together in order to increase their capacity and effectiveness in producing positive social change. Ramona is widely recognized as a thought leader in African-American and Latino relations. As an American historian, she brings in both a historical and bicultural perspective through her blog, to help us understand better how current issues and events relate to and affect these communities. Her podcast, The Empowerment Zone, does exactly that. It empowers African-American and Latino ex-communities by giving them voice. Be inspired and enjoy listening in. Welcome to the Listen In podcast, Ramona. It's a pleasure to have you with me here today. Hi, Raquel. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. So Ramona and I met, has it been a couple of years ago now? Yes. (laughs) Time flies. Yes. We met at the PodFest. And for those of you who do not know what this is, this is a community of podcasters that get together and learn from each other. And both Ramona and I were on the Women in Podcasting track and gave talks to the rest of the podcast community. And we clicked. Yes, we did. (laughs) (laughs) We clicked. (laughs) Ramona, it's great to have you here. And I'll start with a question that I normally start with. And that is, um, can you remember the moment when you first noticed the power of listening, whether it worked or it didn't? Well, I must say that it had the moment that I can remember really real, realizing the power of listening is uh, when I first started dating my now husband, Terion Gully. Uh, Terion is a professional musician. And of course, as a musician, particularly as a jazz musician, you have to be a great listener because you're constantly responding to the other musicians uh, in order to make create great music. It's, it's a lot of improvising involved. And the only way to be a great improviser is you have to be a great listener. And I remember we were in a disagreement and he 
said, listen, you know, listen, and talked about how we could resolve the conflict. And as a woman, <laughs> I'm, it was all about me talking and saying what I had to say and not really listening to what he had to say. From being in a relationship with him, he taught me the power of resolving conflicts and not letting them fester. And so when we have disagreements, now we work them out immediately. It's not like an hour later, next day, next week. And because we're able to resolve conflicts immediately, we really have a great relationship. And a part of communication is listening. And I must attribute that to my husband for teaching me the importance of listening to others, not only when you have conflict, but in conversation. Like I'll ask a question and not even listen to the answer <laughs> or, or I'll be in a conversation and I'm so eager to that, that whatever the other individual has stated, I'm so eager to say what, how profound, whatever they was, they had to say that I jump in and want, and he's like, Ramona, listen, don't, don't always, don't cut people off, you know, listen to what they have to say and then respond, you know? And so he's taught me not to interrupt so much, not to be so eager to give my input actually listen to the answers. So I must attribute my development in listening. I'm still not totally where I need to be. I attribute that to my husband, Terry Uncoli. I think we all are, it's like a lifelong uh, journey, just so that you know. <laughs> and uh, and I was just imagining, you know, uh, to be able to see how we can learn from conversations from jazz players and how mm -hmm. each of us has our instrument, right? <laughs> our yes. voice. Yes. And then how that works together in a way that creates a song where sometimes it's there's some dissonance probably and other times it's kind of in harmony. Jazz music is based on the other musicians each of the musicians responding to each other. And there's such a thing called call and response where one musician says one thing and then the other musician says something else. And it's really a conversation. And like you said, it creates harmony. It creates uh, music that is very unique. And I, well, all music is unique in my opinion, but it's a very unique type of conversation because there's, no lyrics involved. Well, it's great uh, to hear how you learned that. And, you know, I often get the question, you know, are women better than listeners than men? And I, I'm not sure, you know, I don't know. I don't know, because I think we listen in such different ways. And, but I, I find that musicians, <laughs> whether they're women or men, do have a special way of approaching listening that um, with their whole selves. And uh, I have noticed that. So <laughs> I'm not sure, <laughs> but it's interesting. It just This is just another example of where there are men that are great listeners. <laughs> so. and, and also too, there's that rest as well. You know, there's a pause. And like, uh, I want, when we talk, I want you to immediately respond, you know? And 
you know, no, don't think, just tell me. And so that's a part of listening. It's actually, you don't always have to respond immediately. You can pause and then respond. You know, I don't think we always do that. And I think that may be a lot, or this is my opinion, that women, we tend to just keep going, going, going and not pause. And I think that that's one of the things I've learned too is that in a conversation, sometimes I have to sit and wait for the pause. <laughs> and I don't always want to wait for the pause. And then I'm like, are you listening? You know, what is your response? Hey, I heard you. I'm, I have a pause. You know, I have a rest. And then I'm going to respond. So everybody has their own timing in communication. And I think that's a part of listening is being able to Pause. That's I love that. <laughs> There's actually um, some uh, research out there, Ramona, that <laughs> you might enjoy. That um, it takes about eight seconds of silence where a healthy brain can take in information, process it, and give a meaningful response. Mine is point zero 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 eight. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's the average. <laughs> So speaking about that, (laughs) you know, one of the things I love about you is you're a shaker and a mover. You like to get things going. You like to have impact and um, you really care. You have such a big heart and um, you do so much. And the area that you work a lot in this area of what you call social impact, you know, before we get into our conversation more about that, could you explain to our audience, because we do have a global audience, what what is it that you mean by social impact? Yes, I believe that social impact is really making a difference, a good, positive difference in the world. And so for me, social impact is really working with clients who believe in and embrace social responsibility, which is the business practice of doing good. Social responsibility can be embraced by corporations and businesses, which is a, 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 a part of business practice, right? But it's also about high profile public individuals who also want to make impact, such as entertainers and, and uh, athletes and Uh, CEOs and these people who actually have a platform to do good as well, right? So that's why I look at it as a business practice because it's not just the corporations and businesses, but it's also the uh, individuals. And so to me, I like to serve as the creative conduit for that work, right? I believe that a lot of people I think that it is a responsibility, excuse me, for people to do good, uh, that I believe that you can make money and make impact. And I also uh, feel that a lot of businesses and high profile individuals, they have a vision. They know what they want to do to make to do good in the world. But many times they don't have the time, the staff or the expertise. They just have the vision, but don't understand all the logistics involved in the process. And so that is my solution, is helping those businesses and individuals who want to make a social impact. I assist them in designing 
and executing that vision. So they might have a vision and part of the social impact is how they impact their communities or how they impact some of the social challenges that are going on. And we have a lot of them going on right now. Can you give me a specific example of how of social impact in practice? Yes. I feel that businesses must provide solutions to the challenges that face our communities, our nation, and our world. And there's so many ways that that can be expressed. Uh, Right now, the United States is uh, dealing with our racial reckoning, where we're really addressing racial inequalities uh, in various aspects of uh, our society. And so what that looks like is maybe one way that can be expressed is through really instituting your diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility strategies in your business. What are you doing to make sure that your company is diverse, that is equitable, that is fair, that it treats all people well throughout the company? What are you doing to ensure that women are in the C-suite, that they're in management positions, that they're not just the worker bees, if you will? What are you doing to make sure that African-Americans and Latinos in, in your company, on all levels of your company, in management, in the C-suite, as well as considered for executive level positions. So that is one way, is through diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility strategies. You're asking really important questions. And I just saw some statistics the other day um, that showed that actually this this diversity, equity, and inclusion topic is really high on the list on a lot of leadership. There's also, there's the percentage of numbers in these roles and whatnot. And, um, but there's so many more ways, you know, that, that um, probably need to be impacted on a systemic level. And I mean, we don't have to go into that, but what my, where I'm curious about is how do they, and here I'm kind of have this listening hat on, <laughs> right? What are some ways that they can make sure that they are really understanding the needs of these people to be able to be successful in these roles? So not only do they get the roles, but that they're able, that they're, that there's, what are they done to be, to be prepared to to be able to manage that because it's a, you know, the system sometimes is not set up. I find sometimes people are put into situations and the system around them is not supporting them um, because the the needs may be different than the traditional needs. You know, do you have any thoughts on how to understand better the needs, the real needs, you know, because I, I, that's a, that's a vulnerable space to go. <laughs> yes, definitely. It's important to, understand the needs of individuals. And one way to do that is through listening. Like most people, <laughs> most people know the solutions to the problems that exist in your communities, in your business, in your workspace, in your businesses. But a lot of times people are, are unwilling to really address the systemic and structural issues that 
make those challenges continue to exist. And so you understand the needs by listening to people who who have the solutions. Like a lot of people of color, if you will, who you say may be put in these positions, but not necessarily have the structures in place to support them, they can tell you what they need. You know, they, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. You need to listen. But it also, there is this myth that exists that people of color, when they get into these particular positions, that they cannot succeed. So it, it's, it's, it's a two-way street. It's one, it's structural issues that need to be addressed. But on the other hand, it's also getting dispelling the myth that I am somehow not qualified or unable to perform in the position because I am a person of color. So it's like two two things that we have to address, the myth as well as the real systemic structures that are that exist that that somehow um make the success m- more difficult for s- certain people to succeed. Mm-hmm. So I hear like a few things coming out of this. So number one is finding ways to challenge these assumptions and biases in a way. I mean, it is, it's vulnerable also people on, on either side, right? So to find ways to challenge these assumptions and really think almost opposite of what's um, possible or to, to, yeah, to see things from different perspectives, which is not always easy from a human thing, but that, but the, but that would be really important. The other thing is to actually listen from this more neutral space, if possible, or recognizing that I have these assumptions and then moving, being aware of that and then listening and not only listening, but what do we put into action? Or can these people be part of that putting into action? Do we, you know, whoever we're asking, are we just listening? Are we doing the action or can they be a part of creating the action that needs to happen? I'm not sure how that works. And then the third thing is the systemic thing. And, and sometimes it's hard to see fully what's happening. It's not so visible. And to find maybe new ways to make more visible the system that's might be in the way. And how can we create more inclusive systems that um, that go beyond, <laughs> that can, can move beyond where we're at right now for, or, and be flexible maybe too. I don't, I don't know. So I'm just, these are really big thoughts that I hear you saying right now. Yes, correct. And, you know, in terms of the action piece of it, a lot of times the work of dismantling systemic structures that keep people of color out, women out of certain opportunities fall on the people of color and women to do the work to dismantle yeah. it. So And then they don't have the time and energy to get to the to exactly. the good stuff. Exactly. It's the struggle of taking of trying to break things down before things get built up again. Yeah. Exactly. And so I would argue and that's the argument that a lot of people are making in racial and social justice work that it has the people it has to be not just the people who are affected by these structures mm-hmm. to make the change, but the people who are actually holding up the structures to make the change. Yeah. yeah and there's, there's the breaking down and the building up, you know, those are, those are also, that's, um, 
I was thinking building up, but you're right. The breaking down has to happen. <laughs> Dismantling has to happen first. Yeah. Yes. But you're it right. has to be done, not just by the people who will benefit yeah. from it. It has to yeah. be done by the people who are holding up those structures. So yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this, this is one big area of social impact. I'm just curious. I know that you do a lot of work in a lot of different ways. And we've also spoken about that where the social impact can happen in a lot more ways than just money. So money is one way, but there's also a lot of other ways that social impact can happen so that all of us can be a part of impacting these, these social challenges and even in our day-to-day experience with people and how people experience us. What do you think is important from the research that you've done? Because I know you do research, you're a historian, and you've done a lot of not only that, but you actually have boots on the ground actions, you know, uh, initiatives going on. What is important for leaders to understand about voice and about empowerment, empowerment of voice? One of the challenges of leadership, I think, is, and I do consider myself a leader, is that many times, that's why I'm using the term we, we... We have already determined what the solutions are for certain communities, certain situations in our businesses, instead of listening. One of my podcast interviews was with an African who, I think he was out of Kenya, who was doing work with the NGO, non-governmental organizations. And he was talking about how these international organizations come into the country and decide what the solutions are and are implementing them. And then they wonder why nothing has changed. And he said that one of his points was that most of the time they're not listening, that they're coming in already with the solutions instead of listening to the people who actually live in the communities there who know what the solutions are. And that these international companies saying, hey, we're coming in, we're spending all this time and resources, but nothing's changed or nothing is changing. And his point was that those solutions that they're providing don't work and they primarily don't work because they're not listening to the people on the ground who understand what the solutions are. So I would say that leadership in terms of making social impact that no matter what area that you're wanting to address, whether it's economic, educational, political, social change, that you need to listen to the people who are actually suffering from the issues that you're trying to address, because many times they have the solutions that you're looking for and not, and that you as a leader, you shouldn't be so full of yourself that you think you know everything. So that's one message that I would have to leaders. And then the other message I would have to leaders is to understand there's so many ways that people can contribute to making change. And a lot of times when we look at resources, we only look in terms of the value of financial resources and not really looking at the value of other types of resources. Uh, which could be um, time, energy, influence, expertise. There is 
in-kind gifts. There's so many ways to look at resources and that if you learn to recognize and value the various ways that people can give and can make an impact in your effort, you will be able to engage so many more resources and make such a greater impact because you have embraced all the types of resources versus looking at one as more valuable than the other. And I would imagine that when you consider the other resources that you're talking about, that then it's not only you know, having money, but it's also about building relationships within the community. It's about, it's very relational. It becomes more relational than, than just money. Money is important. We need the money, but um, the other aspects are much more relational. And even a decision that can be made can make a huge difference. You know, this influence piece, this power piece, and sometimes people in certain positions, they could change things. I totally agree with you. I remember being in a workshop, a training session on developing nonprofit organizations, and they were talking about board development. And normally when we look at boards, we look at who has the money influence, who has the big pockets or who can bring the big money in when you look at nonprofit organizations. And this person's argument to the class was look beyond financial influence. And he used the example of um, this one board. This man didn't, everybody was wondering why he was on the board. He didn't have any money. You know, he wasn't a big, big financial contributor, but he had great relationships and influence. So when it came time for the gala, my mind just went, went blank on the name When it came time for the gala, he was able to contract this high-profile entertainer. He's from Great Britain with the glasses and plays piano. Elton John. Elton John. He got (laughs) Elton John to be the entertainment for the gala. And then they said the next year it was somebody like Patti LaBelle. And then the next year was somebody. He knew all these great entertainers. And so... And then they were able to have these fantastic galas. Well, that just that brought in money too. (laughs) Yes, yes. But that just look that just shows you that some people have something else to contribute. And what if he weren't on the board? That he it was his influence that made a difference, right? Because he could bring those high profile entertainers in. So anyway, that's just one example. So you've had how long have you had your podcast, The Empowerment Zone? How long have you had that now? Yes, it's a year and a half now. And and yes, I celebrated uh, my 100th episode last September and uh, one year and 100 episodes. And right now, I think I might be up to about 160 something. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You're a rock star there. (laughs) I try to get in my two a month. (laughs) Two a weekend. (laughs) That's great, though. Really great. Thank you. Thank you. I would really encourage our, our listeners to go to the podcast. She has a lot, there's a lot of really great interviews there. And 
the goal of your podcast is to empower African-Americans and, and Latino uh, communities. So this has been an influence. If we talk about social impact, <laughs> this is another way of influence, right? By giving voice to certain communities that may not have had the voice or the platform in terms and terms of also making more visible the potential of how to have impact. And I'd love to know what you have discovered that has surprised you since you started this podcast, maybe something that you didn't expect. Oh, wow. The biggest surprise, of course, when I started, I started off, you know, interviewing people that I had relationships with, right? And the whole Empowerment Zone is focused on empowerment and impact and it centers and elevates African-American and Latino voices. And so when I was starting my interviews, I was interviewing people who were just local community leaders, right? And instead of that, that's where I started instead of the high profile individuals. And I was so amazed to discover we have so much expertise on the local level in various fields. And a lot of times we, I was one of those persons to think that, you know, you have to have this high position or, you know, this, you have to be nationally known or whatever to really have a big impact and really be someone who has a great level of expertise in an area. You know, uh, I, I had that elitist concept. And after what I found is that there are so many people who are doing such great work on the local level and that it has been such a delight to be able to feature those voices and to be able to have those individuals to share their expertise and empower others, uh, with information they need to to be more empowered and have a greater impact. And I have gotten some responses from listeners, like one listener, um, this one episode was on education and it was talking about special education. And it really changed my perspective on on special education, but I had a listener to contact me and say, thank you so much for that particular episode because it helps, it has helped me with dealing with my grandson. Now I understand the resources I can tap into to help my grandson. And so that has been the biggest takeaway for for me is to see how individuals who, many of them, their names won't be known in they won't have household names, that they still uh, have such expertise in their various fields. Some of these people, they're, they have a huge impact in their local community. So maybe they're not on social media and whatnot. Not only to have that as an example of what's possible, which I think gives us hope. Also ideas of different ways of doing things that maybe we normally had done. But also the podcast raises up this voice to another level of listenership so that people outside of the community can also learn and grow from their stories. Yeah. Totally agree. And to your point, I have uh, international listeners. 
I have listeners outside of the African-American and Latino communities who have written me via email and said, thank you so much for this episode. It really enlightened me on this particular issue or that particular issue. So it's it's a podcast, not just for African-Americans and Latinos. It's a, it's a podcast where all of us can learn from each other. And one one aspect that I really like about the uh, podcast is the fact that we look at empowerment in terms of all aspects of empowerment, political, educational, financial, also, and we also promote uh, personal development, health and wellness, uh, leadership and service. And so because of that broad idea about empowerment, you can find information just about everything on empowerment there at the the podcast, the empowerment zone. Yeah, so it's a great great resource and um, <laughs> lots of different different areas to look at things. I was just wondering when you you know thinking about the listeners, and we've talked a lot about you know social impact and some of the ways leaders maybe some things for leaders to take into consideration, the importance of listening to voice, um, some areas around um, empowering people. Um, if you had a key message that would be important for listeners to take with them, what would it be? My key message is that everybody can contribute and do good, no matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter what your area of expertise is. All of us have the capacity, and I would also argue the responsibility to make an impact. So Ramona, is there anything else that, that, uh, I haven't asked that you would like me to ask you? Well, I'm, I do have a funny story to share with you. (laughs) (laughs) We like funny stories. (laughs) Listen, when I graduated with my PhD, of course, um, in history, of course, I became involved with professional historical associations. And so this one conference that I had was in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, which was one of my good friends. Uh, He lived in Memphis, so I went over to visit him. We were college classmates. And he said, so now what are you in town for? And I said, a history conference. He was like, what? What is that? And so his mom came in and she was talking to She's in town for a history conference. She's like, what is that? And so (laughs) that was just so hilarious to me. And so recently when I had contacted you for something, I don't know what it (laughs) You said you were going to a listening conference. And I was thinking, (laughs) what is that? (laughs) That was hilarious to me because I have never heard of a listening conference. (laughs) The funny thing is the next, this year's listening convention is coming up again. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I, when we, and all I could think of was that conversation 20 plus years ago. And then I was like, what is a listening conference? <laughs> what do you do there? Do you just listen? <laughs> Everybody's quiet, just trying to listen to each other. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting how we get into our little niches, you know, how we find them, how we discover them. And 
how they are part of how we impact the world, right? <laughs> because your your history background has a probably a, a huge impact on even the, the work that you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah. The International Listening Convention is once a year, but with the pandemic, things are always switching around. So this year it's virtual again because I had to, it was at the height of the Omicron that they had to cancel. <laughs> so I thought it's too bad, but it will be virtually the, in, the, in about a week and a half. Oh, wow. <laughs> so so I'm, trying to think when, <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about when we had that conversation. That was like two years ago, right? <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Ramona, it's, it's such a pleasure to have you on this podcast and the work that you're doing on just opening people's minds, not only to social impact and how to do that at a practical level, but, but all the voices that you give voice to Thank you. and um, to support a lot of the social challenges that we have today. So thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great pleasure. I am your host, Raquel Ark, an American podcasting from Germany, and this is Listen In. Join this series of conversations with inspiring scientists, leaders, and authors about listening as a surprising superpower that is not always as easy as it seems. Believe me, I know, and I've been learning and will continue to learn, and I hope that this podcast will help you find practical ways to help others listen better while you become better at leading people catalyzing collaboration, transforming conflict, building trust and engagement. And I'll tell you, when really good listening happens, then the entire group, including you, can feel energized and inspired. So sit back and enjoy listening beyond what we typically think of. (laughs) 